This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and uh, we're under a tornado warning at the moment, and we're a little late in starting the lawyer, Liz. I think, I think Liz, what we ought to do is send a drone up and have it check things out for us. Would that be, uh, would that be a possibility? Of course. Are you kidding? They're they're already they're on standby. I'm getting the messages now that folks are ready to fly if anyone needs it. So absolutely. This is uh I've been in this building well, you know. This is the first time we've had anything like this exactly. And it's amazing watching folks uh, what do we do next? Well, you duck and cover your butt. And that's if anything bad comes by. It does look like uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, go over to another computer and put the weather channel on. I think, and uh, if we see anything horrendous, we will uh, run like hell. Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> and hopefully, and thanks to, of course, what the good news today was that my guest is calling in. So. I'm the only one who gets to look like a drowned rat at the moment. But it uh, you're listening to an abbreviated version of the Lawyer Liz, Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. And it, you bring up an interesting point. As the show's getting kicked off, we're chatting with David Moxley, who owns and runs the station. And David was joking about bringing in the drones, but with Hurricane Matthew and where it had hit on along the East Coast, several utility companies, among others, actually did use drones to conduct. In some cases, they did 100% of their initial damage assessments were conducted uh, via unmanned aircraft systems keeping an eye from above so if hopefully the weather we're experiencing in atlanta where the studio is and elsewhere along around the southeast won't uh, conduct too much damage everywhere but if so there are folks that are ready willing and able to jump in and help out and that was one of the things that about six years ago there were some awful storms that hit georgia and several fatalities throughout the state but one of the issues that search and rescue and the emergency responders ran into was that they couldn't access when you have areas of North Georgia that were up in the mountains because trees had fallen uh, in different places and really cut off access. And in some cases, the emergency responders were having to commandeer boats along uh, part of the a lake that wasn't damaged to then go check the damaged area by shoreline because you could not you could not access from the typical roadways and that's been an example that I've used in pointing out the benefits and you know, some of the drones for good that if we had at that time more drones unmanned aircraft systems that 
we would have been able to conduct a much quicker uh, response and assessments of that those areas in North Georgia. But anyway, thanks everyone for your patience as the dust settles and get a chance to breathe. And hopefully it, Dan will be able to call in because we have an exciting show as always, but particularly excited for today's guest, Dan Tentler, who is the co-founder and chief rabble rouser for Phobos. He's an information security researcher, and he has previously been on the show, and unfortunately, we just didn't have a lot of time to chat with Dan for this segment, prior segment, so invited him back to give his thoughts and his take on some of the different things going on around uh, the country in the last couple days when it comes to hacking. Uh, Dan was also a consultant with Watchdogs 2 that came out a couple weeks ago, and for those who haven't either listened to the last show that where we had one of the developers for the game as well as another one of the consultants talking about Watchdogs to catch up on the prior Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, catch it podcast on iTunes, Lawyer Liz, search for that, or download it from America's Web Radio website on the Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz page or any number of podcast streaming services. But one of the things that we talked about on the last prior show with Watchdogs 2 is how there's a surveillance surveillance state that has risen up in the game in San Francisco and that there is a hacker collective that is fighting the power and as your main character in this open world you are joining up and working with that hacker collective dead sec and in tones similar to the uh, watchdogs to san francisco's municipal their muni system was hacked over the weekend a holiday weekend and which led to free rides for all until they could get the system back online. So with that, uh, Dan, welcome to the show. And uh, do you have an alibi for this past weekend's uh, shenanigans in San Francisco? <laughs> uh, what was I doing last weekend? Yeah, I do. I was in I was in New Zealand. <laughs> I say you were you were speaking at was it KiwiCon? Yeah, and uh, I took a couple of days to go fly quads out in the in the countryside out there. That was a good time too. Ah, excellent use of your time uh, because yeah. that was one of the other reasons why we had to make sure that you got as much time on the show as you could after your initial abbreviated uh, guest spot because Drone Racing League is in drone. Drones are all the buzz on the Disney Channel, ESPN, and you know a thing or two about flying some quads. I do, but interestingly enough, I don't know anything about where the events are happening or who's <laughs> hosting them or when they're going on or where they're going. There, I wish there was a central place where like all the quad like drone news landed. 
I see people on Facebook, and I'm part of the Rotor Riot Facebook group, and I see, um, like, Tom Smith from the U.K. makes a post about um, the U.K. drone show that's happening this weekend, and that's, ha- that's the only reason I know about these things. When they do happen is, like, two days or three days of lead time. Um, hey, by the way, there's this thing that's happening in, like, two days. Um, it'd be really cool to go participate. Um, we so, agree. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm partially in the know. Well, and, and that is the big tease. I mean, here in Georgia, we've been waiting to have the uh, second version of F3 coming back, and they secured a really cool location in middle Georgia where it's a lot of the, the Guardian Centers where yeah. emergency responders, that's where they test and train. I mean, it looks like something straight out of the disaster movies, and I want to see some quiet, I want to see some racing through that, but they've temporarily postponed the, it was supposed to be earlier in November and they've pushed it back and yeah, I want to see it. Um, actually the Rotor Riot guys, um, have video of their walkthroughs and, uh, several of them have like videos of some, some simple flights they did while they were there. So if you want to see video, uh, that isn't like official <laughs> ESPN or DRL video. There, there is video of of that already on YouTube. Oh, fantastic! So yes, yeah. for any fellow racing fans, I recommend going to check and look at look out for it. And I've had the pleasure of uh, chatting with a couple of the pilots uh, who are associated with Rotor Riot and. Uh, at least in that circle of folks. And so hopefully when we have the F3 Expo, we'll, we'll be able to snag them on the show. But uh, so your adventures in, uh, was it New Zealand? Did you, any epic crashes or video we need to check out? I did post a video. Um, and I, 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 <laughs> I introduced the video in the beginning by saying that I had to fly like a grandma because I was a derp and I only packed one set of props. <laughs> and it's, it's a, like really out of all the things that I could have forgotten, I forgot extra props. Okay, yeah, so, that's kind so of a noob of mistake. Yeah, the um, the the demo gods um, were benevolent, and though I suffered like maybe six crashes or so, <laughs> I didn't break a single prop, which is astonishing. When you see the video, um, you'll you'll like, how did I not break any props? But, uh, well, yeah, it was a pretty good time. I was gonna say it, we thank the gods for smiling <laughs> on your flight, and hopefully they'll be smiling because one of the things I mean, Disney has announced, and they've partnered with Intel to do a lights show and uh, over the park, which of course garnered a couple of giggles because this is the same Disney that had previously requested that the FAA make their airspace a no-drone zone. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure the FAA had a nice giggle, and they said, wait, we you asked us to shut down your airspace, so no drones, and now you want them? Make up your mind. Uh, charge them extra, well, perhaps. Disney has a track record. <laughs> like, just putting it nicely yes continue <laughs> yes Disney has a track record without getting into the details just yeah there's there's oh man that's a that's a 
a Wikipedia hole if, if there ever was one. Well, and when you're talking about uh, potentially five, or excuse me, in this case, they're going to have 300 drones over the Disney park all synced. And I've seen some of the videos from uh, earlier tests in Sydney where they had 500 drones. It's super cool, well worth the price of admission, but uh, how safe are those? I mean, I can't imagine that was an easy conversation with their insurance carriers. Well, um, from a technical standpoint, um, there's two ways that I can think of off the top of my head to actually achieve that sort of show. Uh, The first is actually using radio control to control all of the quads at the same time um, and relying on the RF signals being happy and clear and that nothing goes fail-safe. Well, and we know that uh, RF uh, signals, I mean, we've talked about in this show, and, I mean, one of the chief things when you're researching, you in particular, Dan, I mean, you tend to highlight uh, that doesn't always go well, and nothing goes as planned. Yeah, I've I've had some of my own bizarre fail-safe problems. Um, I have a video of where I was um, flying over an empty parking lot, and um, my quad fail-safed and fell something like maybe 100 feet, and I, I astonishingly was able to rescue it five feet above the ground, and I didn't obliterate it into a giant pile of parts. Um, but the advantage, the advantage to using RF to control the aircraft is that you have full control at all times. The, only, the, the drawback there is that it, it may go fail-safe if for some reason the receiver fails to see the transmitter, it will tell the quad, oh, we've lost RC control, and the quad will go into fail-safe mode. And that is that is whatever you've told the quad to do in that condition. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can fail-safe. Um, but in the, in the case of Disney's stuff, um, I think the safer bet would be to, to send it up with pre-programmed flight, like, like a flight map, and don't use RF to control them so that you don't risk the... Um, you don't risk the problem of, you know, some radio transmission <laughs> happening and... Or, or some nefarious researcher. And, uh, and a quick reminder, because I didn't, uh, was slightly rattled when we first jumped on with this show. So the disclaimer is that, yes, while I am an attorney, this show is not legal advice. And <laughs> I do not represent you or anyone listening in and in these matters, these are merely our musings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that out of the way, uh, there's been a lot of research shown that uh, you can have some fun with the systems on these aircraft because the infosec, the information security, the signals uh, protections weren't necessarily built in from the onset. Uh, is that? with the current aircraft and software updates, is that as big of a concern? So it's, re- it's interesting that you should mention that because that actually <clears throat> that actually spurred somewhat of a lively debate on the Twitters several weeks ago <laughs> where um, it seems that the soup du jour when it comes to, um, I hesitate to refer to them as Luddites, but when you start talking about drones and the first thing that you're, you're uh, conversation partner says is something about how they're going to get their shotgun and shoot it out of the sky like luddites is really the only 
term I can think of. Or but, just poor understanding of telemetry and uh, firearm safety and all of that. Well, it's, it's people people that are not people that are scared of new technology and they don't want to take the 30 seconds that it would take to understand the new technology. They're just the first knee-jerk reaction is, uh, that that's weird, it's got a camera on it, shoot it. Well, um, I say, and, and if you're in the South, it's, well, camera, shoot it, and then, but what's the point if you can't eat it? So, <laughs> you know? It, <laughs> yeah. So in terms of, like, the RF, RF um, like, signals type safety, um, they, there's the closest thing that I can sort of liken it to is Bluetooth pairing. Mm-hmm. Like you can pair, you can pair the the transmitter to the to the receiver on the aircraft, and then then they can they can, they can talk. But it's not encrypted, it's not encoded. It can be spoofed because if you transmit the same radio signals uh, that the transmitter is transmitting, you can interfere with the aircraft. You can force the aircraft, like for certain aircraft, like um, particularly DJI's, which seem to be <coughs> the the popular target for all the people that are making um, what they call it area denial weapons uh, and anti-drone rifles well and you can't you can't blame them because those are the most prevalent aircraft that at least according to the FA registrations and that information but so we'll, we'll pick on DJI for just a little bit <laughs> well um, it, it's it's amusing to me that the people that manufacture these area denial weapons, for like anti-drone stuff, are either unaware of, or don't, or simply don't care about the. I would wager somewhere between one and two dozen different types of radio equipment available for for flying drones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, there was a discussion that happened on Twitter specifically around the um, DSMX. I think it is the DSMX protocol, which is what uh, Spectrum runs, and they figured out how to. Uh, Basically, intercept uh, and then hijack. Basically, like repair uh, uh, a drone in flight using the DSMX protocol to a new transmitter, and then not 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 only um, not only remove the original pilot, but install their own pilot. So basically, imagine taking over a flying aircraft uh, with a new controller, and then taking control of the aircraft. I'd say that's a pretty critical failure in systems and signals if suddenly, and the pilot doesn't always know in those scenarios that they've been replaced, do they? I mean, it's not like instantly if we were on an actual manned aircraft, the pilot knows when they've been tossed out of their seat. Well, if you're in the goggles, you know, if you got your headset on, well, true. suddenly the sticks stop responding, but the quad is still flying, you're going to know in a matter of, you know, a second or two, like, well, what the hell is going on? I'm suddenly, my controls aren't working, but somebody else is piloting my aircraft, and then a moment of panic sets in, and then your aircraft starts flying away, and then all yes. you can do is watch helplessly in your goggles. Well, but, you know, it, we're going to have to jump to a commercial break real quick, because we do have to give a shout-out to the sponsors. But how, when we come back... Has that ever happened to you? How quickly is the panic? And then we will get back to the Watchdogs 2 and uh, San Francisco issues as well. But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. 
45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to the slightly abbreviated version of Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz today on America's Web Radio. Uh, thanks to some tornado sirens, warnings, and uh, you know touchdowns in Atlanta, we got a late start, but... I think really what it was is today we're talking with uh, Dan, uh, commonly known on the Twitters as this. Uh, Dan, really what it is is I, I think the gods knew that you have a lot of, a long line of rabble-rousing, troublemaking, and uh, making and breaking of things, all for good, we'll assume, uh, and perhaps didn't want too much of your knowledge getting out there to our listeners. I, I think that's what we're going to go with. Okay. <laughs> but before the break, we were talking, we were highlighting your FPV, uh, let's say, hobby, as well as your expertise in the signals and systems that run these aircraft and using Disney as a highlight because they've got this new show that will be kicking off in partnership with Intel and some of the recent research that had started coming out on the the radio controls and the spectrum and hijacking and spoofing and so what you know, realistically are we concerned are we worried is there steps that they can take to patch or fix, and who does it? Well, it's we do have to remember that this is hobby-grade equipment, right? So um, these are toys that are being hijacked. Very expensive flying toys, (laughs) but toys. So they weren't designed to be attacked. They weren't designed... Well, put it this way. Um, The people that are doing... Uh, signals intelligence work reversing the protocol and attacking the protocol were not in Spectrum's threat model. Like, Spectrum's <laughs> threat model was 
you know, a competitor selling cheaper radios. Exactly. So, well, it's, it's part of the price you pay. One of the things on prior, the past couple of shows we had looked at the DDoS and IoT uh, attacks with Rob Graham, and Rob pointed out that it's the trade-off you get for, in that case, a lot of it was the security cameras on the exteriors of buildings and stuff, and you get cheap throwaway electronics that work fairly reliably, but you give up some of the security systems and checks and balances for that. Yeah. Yeah, the term is minimum viable product. (laughs) And when you think about minimum viable product, <clears throat> you don't really presume that security falls anywhere inside of the definition of minimum viable product. Minimum viable product is literally the absolute bare minimum that this thing needs to function to be able to make it out the door and be sold as a product. And and usually in that case, it means no mechanism for patching, no mechanism for um, over-the-air updates or, or installs of any kind. Um Maybe they release patches down the line. Maybe they don't. But really, um, I mean, these are cheap products. I mean, you're if it breaks, you throw it away and go buy another one. Pretty much. Yeah, that's what you get for 20 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or And I saw some uh, drones being, you know, just little mini quads, the type that fit in the palm of your hand. You Stocking stuffers advertised for $20. And I'm thinking, yeah. huh. I can do a lot of damage to a $20 quad with my level of piloting skills, uh, you know. But one of the things in Watch Dogs 2 where you were one of the, and I think I posted it, if not, shame on me, I will post it again, the screenshots where I sat through all 15, 20 minutes of the Watch Dogs 2 credits to catch uh, familiar names. But <laughs> you were a contributor to the show and or to the game, and they have a drone uh, that Marcus can pull out. And did you ha- did you help out with any of that design or uh, incorporation into the game? It's hard to say, um, and that's and it's weird for me to say that because <laughs> I didn't work with Ubisoft in any formal capacity. Um, I'm friends with their content director for the game, um, Thomas. Yes, Thomas was our guest last week. So yeah. yeah. So Thomas and I talk quite a lot of shop, and he's into remote control trucks, and he, uh, basically rock crawlers, mm-hmm. and, I'm into, and I'm into quads. So we have a lot of conversations about batteries and motors and that sort of thing. So and, inspirational perhaps, but the names were definitely changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> well... Um, I, I have no problem feeding Thomas with all the juicy intel that he can use for the game. Um, I have gone as, so far as to write long-winded emails <laughs> with lists containing a variety of different plot points and plot devices, uh, toys, equipment, um, like fragments of types of missions. Um, so I've, I've written several of these emails to to Thomas saying, wow, it would be really neat if something like this were to exist in the game, and here's how you could make it fun, and here's how you could incorporate it into a point system, or here's how you could turn it into a mini-game. Um, but I have I have received absolutely no feedback on what, it, like, if any of my suggestions landed in the game at all. Well, so this is going to be a, dis- a, a discovery process. Well, and, well, as we get, we got the dis- legal disclaimer out of the way uh, earlier, uh, 
if I was your attorney, I'd say that's a very good answer because some folks, and when I say some, it from all accounts, Watchdogs 2 is really gaining steam and hit its stride, typical Ubisoft uh, opening. In the sense of a lot of people are playing and a lot of people are noting that uh, the big difference from, or one of the key differences from watch the first Watch Dogs to Watch Dogs 2 is they got the feel and the the technology, the hacker side of things fairly and eerily close to reality. And no more so than when folks tried to go ride the Muni in San Francisco over Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and were advised it's been hacked. Yeah. So you ha- and we we've already established you were not even on the continent, so you have an airtight <laughs> alibi, right? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, now, it, how did they do? Because it at first it didn't seem like it was going to be that big of a deal with you know oh it's ransomware uh, and some of the stories that were coming out uh, over the past couple of days said well they locked access to the payment card system you know the payment systems but they didn't get any of the writer data or really deep into the systems so well, if we were if we were if we were in a if this was a soccer or football match, would you be throwing a yellow card, red card, or telling them uh, from the hockey parlay, you know, wipe the blood off, suck it up, buttercup? <laughs> That's a very good question. I'm not really a sports guy, so it's hard to say. But <laughs> um, one thing I can say is that ransomware isn't designed to steal data. So in terms of they weren't able to access customer data, well, that's plausibly true because ransomware doesn't, try to steal data. Ransomware encrypts data and then holds it for ransom, hence its name. So um, uh, there have been some amusing stories that I've read that have come out. Um, One of them was that, and this may be anecdotal. um, Oh, go for it. Was that the the entry point for the malware was a person who worked for the um, SFMTA who was trying to run something involving a um, like pirated software, and they downloaded a crack, and the crack, or maybe it was a key gen. I was to say the, so, and some of our listeners are are very technical savvy, uh, or have a high level of technical savvy. But for those of us, including my grandparents, who may not, uh, what is a crack? Okay, so when you pirate software, when you download software without paying for it. It usually asks for some sort of registration code or a or a or a key, and unless you, I mean that's that's generally what you're buying. You're buying the key. So if you're buying or if you're downloading pirated software, it'll you're going to end up with usually one of two scenarios: one, cracked software, which is software that's been modified uh, using a hex editor or a debugger to no longer require a key and provide the functionality without asking for payment, or B, you'll get a uh, what's called a key gen which is a small application that generates a functional key uh, for that piece of software. Now, these are both mechanisms that attackers have used to spread malware. Uh, because, you know, if you download, you know, a pirated copy of a Adobe Creative Suite, um, and it's, it's a cracked copy, 
It is, I mean, you're running somebody else's binary at that point, so it's plausible that there's malware in it. Uh, and conversely, if you're if you're downloading something else that requires an activation code or a key, and you need a key gen, that key gen might also contain malware because you you, you ha- you're at the mercy of the attackers at this point if you're willing to trust them uh, with taking pirated software. And this is just one of the risks that you run if if you want to deal in pirated software. Sometimes you get malware, and the the anecdotal quote was something to the effect of <clears throat> some somebody at the SFMTA. Um, was trying to operate pirated, pirated software, <coughs> and um, uh, the key gen that they had contained a ransomware trojan, and the ransomware trojan then spread across the network and infected a bunch of things. And we've uh, been I hearing, don't know if that's true or not. Well, I was going to say, and uh, details, it's still within the first week of everything going in. One of the things you, people had, I guess, the messages, or the fair station says, you are hacked, all data... Yeah. Encrypted. So, assuming yeah. that hackers don't lie, because they never lie, uh, go on the internet and lie exactly uh, mislead, obfuscate, but never lie. No. So, assuming that was the case, I mean, you've heard about instances like this also with the you know the mount the encryption and the ransomware in hospitals and other records or in other kind of critical uh, companies and services and locations. So in this case, did it didn't look like San Francisco paid. Uh, it, but the, I read a, a, a blog post or a write-up that I saw yesterday, I believe, that uh, they had written up saying that they have a, a uh, an on-site IT department and the on-site IT department uh, does backups and they were able to recover from the malware infestation by formatting the computers and reinstating from backups. So mm-hmm. uh, in this instance, it sounds like they were able to to deal with the infection, and it may have only set them back a couple of days, if you know, if anything at all. Um, which that's a good sign. So right. So if you if you're a shop that does backups, then you should routinely test your backups to make sure that you can restore from them. Because if you get hit, if you get hit by uh, ransomware and you can't restore from backups, then what good are your backups? Well, exactly, and that's one of the key points. And I didn't mean to gloss over that so much, but with ransomware, I mean that's the whole point. As as you noted, it's your data is now locked. To get the key to unlock it, you've got to pay me. And yeah. in this case, they said oh, we don't need to because at most we're going to you know lose a couple days information but we have planned and I'm sure there was someone in the IT department who when they took that gamble kind of went yes it worked and y'all make fun of me for all of my memos but um, with that we're going to jump to a commercial break and then get your thoughts when we come back to buzz off with lawyer Liz on America's web radio Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. 
Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, coming to you on America's Web Radio each Wednesday from 2 to 3. And find podcasts available on iTunes and the America's Web Radio website, among others. And today we're talking with Dan uh, Tentler from Phobos and uh, known on the Twitters as Vis. And Dan and I are talking about, well, we started off with drones because every conversation, I think, should start off with drones and what Disney's doing. And using that as a segue into Watch Dogs 2 and then the attack on the ransomware attack on San Francisco's rapid transit, their Muni system. And so, Dan, in this case, it sounds like a little bit of pre-planning went a long way for them. Yeah, just having backups. Um, the other the other thing to consider is that ransomware is by no means stealthy. It is literally the opposite of stealthy. Um, you will know very quickly if you're infected, and uh, it will be fairly straightforward for shops that have the wherewithal to get a sample of that of that binary, uh, which basically translates to when a new flavor of ransomware is released, it is a very short period of time, possibly a matter of days, before its signatures are in practically every antivirus on the planet. So to be infected by malware would suggest either A, you're not running your AV at all, or you're not running it properly and it's not getting getting its updates like it should, um, or B, you're patient zero. So there's, there's really only two ways that you can get infected with ransomware. Either you're the absolute first person to ever get infected because this is never-before-seen ransomware, uh, or B, you're not 
doing antivirus correctly. So what that tells me is, um, uh, based on reports that I that I read about the Mamba malware that infected uh, the SFMTA, it was reported back in September, which was almost three months ago. I mean, depending on when in September, but like it is now the end of November, so it's been several months. It, it would uh, it would presume that it's it's safe to assume that in this case either the SFMTA wasn't running AV at all or they weren't running it properly and their AV did not catch the Trojan when it landed on one of their systems. Well, and so, you know, it sounds like a couple of kudos. One, Gold Star, because you're doing some sort of, which is, I just... Is it a gold star if it's the bare minimum? But by having those, but also having backups that are usable and can do. And so when you're working, because one of the things you do for the day job with Phobos is y'all go through and red team, which is attack. You do blue team, which is defense. And kind of that purple mix. So you're giving clients, I mean, clients are paying you break our systems and then tell us what to do. So a bit of free advice for our listeners it sounds like is uh, get backups that you can start from scratch yeah one of the <clears throat> one of the new offerings we have actually is called um, a security posture assessment where we do basically just that we skip the attack and we just go straight to sort of hard hat style housing inspector mode where we walk around with a clipboard and say this needs help or this is how this should be configured or here's a problem here and this is how that should be fixed um, a sort of mostly hands-off approach for for shops that <clears throat> either don't have dedicated IT staff or don't have dedicated security people. Uh, and that's usually one of the first things that we'll touch on is what's the low-hanging fruit? How easy would it be for an attacker to, to walk into this place? So in the case of the SFMTA, if they're not running antivirus, it's like the Wild West. If, if you're not running a combination of, like, maybe Windows Defender and uh, EMET and possibly... You know, I think Kaspersky is one of the good ones, and you could probably get away with running a vast as well. So, like, so having some some basic uh, software and systems in place is the equivalent of you no longer have the welcome mat. I mean, if you don't have anything, it's essentially saying, "Hello, critical infrastructure here, come right in." Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And in this case, normally we're we're uh, very staunch sort of uh, supporter of, you know, the bare minimum is not good enough, but in this case, um, the bare mi- if the bare minimum is just run something, even if it's free, um, that'll get you probably 40 to 75% of the way. I mean, no one thing is a silver bullet that will protect you from the bad guys, but it is a layered approach, and the more layers you have, the more difficult you make for them, they have to make the decision, do I keep trying to get onto this particular computer or I just do it, go find greener pastures somewhere else. Well, we're talking about critical infrastructure such as mass transit and transportation, especially in areas such as San Francisco where not everyone has a car. I mean, most people, it's a reliable transportation transit system that, and it's so expensive, if it shuts down and doesn't operate, I mean, they were able to continue operating. It was just free. Yeah. Uh, so, what? Like, do you, are you? I'm trying to find a good way to phrase this. Like, what? What? Keep it clean. Or what not. operating <laughs> systems run some critical infrastructure? And 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 when I pose this as sort of a rhetorical question, 
because there are oftentimes the same operating systems that run on cash registers. And what you get on cash registers are embedded Windows XP installations, in some cases service pack zero, which means they're almost 10 years old, in some cases more than 10 years old, and they are not installed in a way that is conducive to patches or updates or any kind of security updates or anything or any kind like that. So you have, you have, you know, if somebody breathes on this incorrectly, you can <laughs> you can completely gain access to it. And you know, when was the last time you heard of a cash register running antivirus? So well, exactly. Uh, and so, is there a higher standard when you're talking about you know the critical infrastructure as well as hospitals or well, other? Uh, providers of necessary services because I mean one of the fears is what happens if you shut down you know and lock up the hospital system so that the operating room the emergency room you can't use some of the equipment it's a little Um, bit different than a cash register but how do you protect against that I actually have staff that used to work at a medical, co- one of the largest in the country, uh, that actually had that exact problem. Oh, uh, they manufacture equipment that goes into the operating room. They manufacture anesthesia stations. They, man- they manufacture uh, drug dispenser stations and, and other types of stations, um, a lot of which actually run either Windows XP. Some of them still run DOS. Um, they were not designed, and they do not operate in any capacity for any kind of security. And what he was doing there before I stole him from that position was he was um, helping put together the initial sort of, we should start thinking about this <laughs> problem uh, team where they started uh, remotely uh, controlling the, the stations and pushing uh, just, just regular Windows patches because these machines aren't connected to a network that allows them to have Internet access specifically for that reason, so that if something happens, if they get infected, then the malware can only do so much. Um, and there have been whole whole hospital outages where the entire um, medical equipment network is infected with Lockheed or another type of ransomware. And what the hospitals are doing, because they need to get up and running as quickly as possible, is paying. And that's one of the reasons that the hospitals are being targeted so heavily is because the first couple t- uh, hospitals that got targeted, they paid. And that told the attackers that this is a lucrative market. And so the attackers, like, turned into piranhas, basically, and went started attacking hospitals. So, you know, if, if, if uh, he's probably somebody that you might want to talk to about that if you want to, if you want to get absolutely that topic, sort of a matter expert. Absolutely. I look forward to you helping make that connection and uh, teasing future shows on it. But it, it is a big transition. And then how do you have those conversations with some of these rural uh, facilities and hospitals who they're lucky if they have a working you know, piece of a, a piece of equipment that's working in a particular area. Much less, okay, we can't have the latest and greatest. But you raise an interesting point. It's some it's some time that has to be addressed and has to be fixed because it's only going to become more prevalent. And what is that duty of care? that's owed on all levels because something goes wrong lawyers evil lawyers will come and sue somebody well uh, hospitals are a business hospitals have boards of directors hospitals have profit margins 
So somebody at the top of the food chain has to make the decision, do we bother spending any money on security? Yeah, it's no. usually going to fall onto one or two or maybe half a dozen people. Like either it's, it's, it's a CTO or director of technology or it's a CFO saying that the IT people can or cannot have a budget. There's usually a very small number of people that make that decision, and they're so far removed from the consequences of that decision that they can, they can safely make that decision and other people will suffer and not them. So at some point, like, it really comes down to there is a single throat to choke and <laughs> it's a matter of finding that person and, and basically sitting them down and saying, And that is, that is something you get the privilege of doing in some yeah. levels of pointing out those, those, uh, access points or pressure points. So it, unfortunately we have run out of time. So thanks to Dan. Uh, follow him on Twitter at this. And thanks to America's Web Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thank you to Halbu Smith for allowing me this opportunity. But it has been a pleasure. I'm Lawyer Liz. Catch us next time on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.